Hello and welcome to another episode of They Don't Teach This in Law School. I'm Charlie Mann of law firm Alchemy, and this is one of those coffee sodes. And we're going to be building on the last coffee sode that I did on building an investment-grade law firm. And we're going to spend some time in this space over the next few uh, coffee sode episodes. Make this a a full-on series. What I'm focusing on this time uh, and I should let you know, by the way, this is going to be the uh, last coffee sode of the year. Uh, we'll resume the coffee sodes in 2024. So uh, don't worry, we're just taking a week off, enjoying the holidays. Okay, so uh, this coffee sode is going to focus on how we handle business production in your law firm. Essentially, how do we put inventory on the shelves? So what I want you to think about here, uh, it's a couple of frameworks we're going to use. One, how can we duplicate what you do at scale? And two, how do we choose what the most efficient products are to sell? Again, this is really about it being investor grade. Understand that some of the things that I'll talk about feel antithetical to some of the missions of a law firm or perhaps some of the things that you have been taught. I'm just coming at this from an investment perspective and what some investors will look for. So let's put some inventory on the shelves. First off, we have to identify uh, one of the core weaknesses in a lot of law firms, which is in how they set up lawyers to do the work. In your law firm, uh, if you want to scale, creating replicatable units or teams or departments or divisions, or as Craig Goldenfarb calls it, a, a pod, is essential to scaling up the firm. Because if the way that you hire lawyers is you're hiring this lawyer for that reason and this lawyer to fill that gap and that lawyer over here to do this part of the work, you don't have building blocks that you can stack on each other. Your law firm is built to handle only the next problem that arises and you'll always be stuck in the cycle of hiring an attorney to fill the next gap rather than putting more product on the shelves. So if I'm an investor in a law firm, one of the things I want to see established or that I am definitely establishing when I come into the practice would be this type of replicatable business unit. So for example, can I take a similar structure and repeat it to add another hundred new personal injury cases to your firm? Let's say the structure is an attorney with a paralegal assigned to him or her. And we have a process, and the process is uh, attorneys in this firm take everything from start to finish, from when the client is signed all the way up to a trial. Now, this then begs the question, uh, is an attor- are we able to find enough talent to scale that model? So this is going to be the next step that I'm looking at. If we believe that we have a replicatable model, how much can it be replicated? Is there a limit? So if I look at this personal injury example, there's a likely limit. I think that we would create some level of talent acquisition stress or friction in the practice, and I'm going to want to divide it into pre-litigation and litigation units. Let's take estate planning as an example. If 
I know that for every X number of plans uh, that I, I will have in the practice, because I'm trying to hone this down to here are my three to five core offerings, and we really don't do anything outside of that. And I know I'm going to need a paralegal for, say, every uh, additional 12 files that we acquire during a month. I'm just tossing practice numbers out there, start developing the ideas. But if I know that for every 12 files, uh, I'm going to need a another paralegal specifically say a drafting paralegal and then if i start working on the number of okay for every drafting paralegal i'm going to need uh this other type of paralegal or administrative support by the way this is going to start cascading all the way down into the intake space you know hey for every three attorneys that i have i need an additional intake person but then on the attorney side in estate planning practice, I might look at the difference between a sales attorney and a production attorney. Do I need, say, one sales attorney for every two production attorneys? And then am I trying to match those up into business units where you have, uh, as the firm grows, we can replicate this structure of three attorneys? Now, you're going to see immediately this creates some uh, stressors in the system where once you assemble one of these units, how do you get to the next one? Right. And that's always that difficult leap of faith. But the idea here is if you have investor money, you scale in different leaps and bounds rather than in smaller increments. So we could perhaps add an entire unit to the practice as opposed to in the past where you may have focused on hiring one individual at a time. This would be part of what we would put the capital towards in the practice if we believe that we can acquire the right number of clients. And then within those units, I want to know what is my profit per unit? How many cases do we need to move? At what pace do we need to move those cases? And what is that profit per unit that I have in the business? Because I want to put product on the shelves and I need to know what that product actually looks like. You know, if you go into a well-run store, it's not willy-nilly. It's not a bunch of random products here, a bunch of random products there. There tends to be a central theme of what the products are, and there are multiples of the product available on those shelves. This is what you are doing with your law firm when you set up this type of system where you really view it as business units rather than just kind of a random assembly of parts that might work together. But then you create the people problem of what happens if one of these parts goes away. We have this, this strange uh, interaction between all the independent pieces of the practice that if one of these people goes away, now I have to try and hire that one individual, which maybe that was a specific skill set that is harder to find. I want to make it very easy to find my next business unit which then even comes down to the type of cases that are handled. So within the practice, I want repetition on the cases as much as possible, even for all the intricacies that go into developing, working up a file case matter, et cetera. I want to guard against uh, anomalies. I want to guard against attorneys shifting their modalities too frequently. It's, it's the simple example would be pre-litigation versus litigation. I want to protect against that. And even within pre-litigation, how much of that uh, is working up really small cases versus working up cases that we expect to get a tendered offer on, right? A full tender on. Part of this process means examining what cases we currently handle and doing a classic 80-20 examination of the firm. So if an investor is coming in and they want to see all the numbers, one of the questions that I will be asking at least is, 
where is 80% of the profit coming from? Where is 80% of the revenue coming from? And understand these can sometimes be competing ideas. This all sounds like a simple black and white process. This is always multifactorial. So for example, we could discover that the cases that drive the most profit are too rare for us unless we decide to actually collapse the business model and go very narrow and high profit, which as an investor, maybe that's of interest. But if that limits our scale, perhaps I'm looking at it and going, okay, well, where are where's actually the best space for us to go into? What cases do we attract well? What are we good at actually doing and get a substantial enough profit margin off of? Uh, because you don't want to build a practice that is entirely constructed of anomalies, or at least a lot of investors are not going to want to build practices constructed of anomalies. It's all about smoothing out the revenue curve and creating that level of predictability that is desirable. Because if I'm investing in your firm, I probably am not trying to only invest in your firm. Over time, I'm looking to invest in many firms. You go back to the first of this series that we did, and I talked about how I want to develop systems, protocols, et cetera, that I can install in multiple law firms and see predictability across multiple investments where each one of those investments is learning from the other uh, to create a, a self uh, perpetuating or a flywheel, right? To use the term flywheel, to create a flywheel of success for all the firms that I am working with as an investor in them. We will have to eliminate parts of the practice that are underperforming. There may even be times where you have to cut a significant amount of the practice, or at least enough that it feels difficult to do because it's an area of the practice that is not producing a substantial enough profit margin and may actually be eating into practice. Because by the way, one of the things I'll look at is not just how much profit is being brought out of the individual business unit, but how much profit then factoring in all the other resources that are used within that business unit, space resources, technology resources, administrative personnel, intake personnel. Uh, what's the marketing spend that goes into it? You'd be surprised in a lot of firms where you can find segments of the practice that are underperforming dramatically and actually costing the owner money. And we want to trim all of those out so that way we can focus on accelerating the areas that have the highest impact, both in terms of being able to get and serve the clients and also financially for the growth of the firm. The ultimate goal here is to provide the greatest level of service to the right type of client or clients, you know, depending on how many avatar models that we have here, at a level of quality that can't be achieved in a firm where everyone is trying to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we're playing ad hoc. We want to use the advantage of systems to assist the client. And then what we do when we have exceptional systems, now we can go and find the most talented individuals because by the way, now we are improving our margins that allow us to reinvest in better people and bring the best people in to run those systems, bring their unique talents into it within the framework. This is important within the framework, but for them to execute with their unique talents within our framework that provides a level of service to our clients that will be far superior to anyone else in the market. And by the way, because we're thinking about scale and support for our team, that attorney, say, will have 
excellent support team members so that way he or she can spend more time on high-level strategy work, on uh, relationships with new and existing clients, and on things that bring the highest value to that attorney and to your firm as possible. Obviously, these ideas are a little radical to some, but I, I expect that many of you listening to this series are going to apply this in unique ways where maybe you're not making immediate changes. Maybe you're not ready to completely scrap a few of these ad hoc pieces that you have in the practice, but now your awareness level is greater on how to create a business unit that you can replicate in the practice to put more product on the shelf. So as you look towards your growth journey and what can really grow the firm in an exceptional way and make it investment grade, you'll start thinking, how do I start matching these pieces up? How do I build units that I can replicate in the practice? And for those of you who are earlier in your growth journey, that just means you are ahead of the curve. And I understand you're going to you're going to have a different approach to this. Your version of putting new units in the practice may just be hiring your next couple of attorneys, but you're thinking ahead in terms of what this will look like over the next $2 million, $3 million, $5 million of growth in your practice. And even on a smaller level, taking this idea of business units, of uh, 80-20 analysis on the services and that you offer, the matters that you handle, the clients that you work with will provide you structure to generate more profit in the practice and still set it up for uh, the type of investor who maybe is looking to come in and really scale this thing up really fast by nurturing smaller firms that have a big market opportunity. I know that I'll be searching for those when the opportunity arrives. Well, since this is the last coffee sode of the year, I hope that 2023 has treated you exceptionally. Uh, we've been celebrating many holidays at uh, this point as you're listening to this, uh, and there are still a few more left to celebrate. So whatever you have celebrated, whatever you are celebrating, whoever you celebrate it with and however you celebrate it, I hope that it is a, a time to reflect, to be deep with your family now, uh, and to get ready to have 2024 be the absolute best year it can be. And I'm excited to work with firm owners in 2024, bringing some really incredible new systems, ideas, and best practices into those firms. Uh, and if you're not already signed up to hear from us regularly, or you're looking for one last resource to push you over the edge in at the end of 2023 and give you something to really execute on 2024. I'll recommend our referral playbook, which you can go to, you can get at lawfirmalchemy.com slash referrals uh, or, or lawfirmalchemy.com slash referral playbook. If the referrals URL doesn't work perfectly for you, that's lawfirmalchemy.com slash referral playbook all one word. Uh, go and grab that from the website as one little resource to have in your pocket to start executing on 2024. Uh, and I will see you in the next episode of They Don't Teach This in Law School.